Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 129. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. From high atop the stately Lee's Comics mansion, we bring you the Lee's Comics Radio Hour with tonight's special guests, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, Cerebus the Aardvark, and yours truly, Wally Fields. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store, based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale. For half off, choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar. Scroll down to Sellers and enter Lee's Comics, Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Dennis the Menace, originally a comic book panel introduced in 1951, expanded into a comic book series, an American television series starring Jay North, an animated television series, and subsequent television series, books, and feature films. There's even a chapter on the British version of Dennis the Menace and Dennis' longtime association with Derek Green and his playground. Pocket Full of Dennis the Minutes by Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions explores the entire history of Dennis the Minutes and is available now on Amazon and Fair Manor Media in hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copies today. Hey Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, examining the monkey songs one by one, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey's solo years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You sold me. Have you sold them? 
Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this! This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the Prefab Four, Mickey, Davy, Peter, and Mike, the Solo Monkeys, plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover, and this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. <coughs> get Headquartered, a timeline of the Monkey Solo Years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today. Cool. I'm going to get one today. I'm at the final proof edits for the TTV scrapbook and hope to turn in that any day now for a fall publication. I'm currently working on Mad Turtles and an article on Charlton Comics and more funny stuff for Andrew Goldfarb's Freaky Magazine. No news yet on my other books. On today's show, rock photographer Daniel Costin returns to have a lively discussion with me about the 60th anniversary of the Beach Boys. Here he is, Daniel Costin. Hi, this is Mark Arnold with another Fun Ideas podcast, and tonight we have the return appearance of Dan Costin. You may remember him from last time. He talked about his adventures being a rock and roll photographer. We'll probably talk about that a little bit uh, in according to what we're really talking about, which is a salute to the Beach Boys on their 60th anniversary. So welcome to the show. Hey, good to see you again, man. Cool. All right. So uh, fess up. What do you know about the Beach Boys? <laughs> How did you get involved? I mean, uh, what made you become a fan? They are literally the first band I ever saw in my life. I saw them in the New York State Fair in 1983, one of Dennis Wilson's last shows, and it was sort of a, we're sorry we're moving you to North Carolina, we'll take you to the State Fair and see the Beach Boys. And I was a fan ever since, and then 13 years later, I was at Farm Aid and discovered that I really liked photography and music and photography, and found myself meeting the Beach Boys, including Carl Wilson that day and said, okay, everything else I'm doing, that's th this photography thing is a much better gig. And uh, soon after, started photographing the band and then uh, eventually started contributing to Endless Summer Quarterly, which is the official Beach Boys fan publication. I've done that for 25 years and got to experience and, and photograph a lot of amazing moments. So uh, as of what's going on right now, uh, it is, of course, always up in the air. It is shifting, depending on who you talk to and when you talk to them. I think there are things in the works. I think there's a lot of possibilities in the works. Uh, some of it will depend on the world as is next year. Some of it will depend on the band. Uh, as you know, um, Brian is about to actually has just started a tour that will continue through October. And I think that a lot of people are waiting to see how he does, if he's able to tour uh, again and feel comfortable doing it. Um, and of course, Mike and the Beach Boys are out on the road as they always are. And so I, I think that, um, it's getting all the pieces and the people and whoever works with them to line up and say, we're going to do this. So I think you're going to see things. I, I think you could see a TV special. I will, I think there's going to at least be some concerts. I don't know if it'll be as, uh, large as the 2012 reunion shows, but, um, I would love to think there's some new music in the possibility. I mean, they've kind of 
Uh, I want to give a shout out to my friend uh, David Beard, who edited Endless Summer Quarterly. He got everyone except Brian to reunite for a single last year, a new version of Add Some Music to Your Day. So it's, you know, it's it's essentially has happened already. So it's just getting the, um, the thing I always say about the Beach Boys, it's it's not the, the five guys in the circle. It's the circles around the circles. They all have influence. They all have um influence over those main pieces so i think um they all want to do something it's just getting a lot of things to line up um so we'll, we will see now is it uh really just the five which i'll mention their names so brian wilson mike love uh, uh al jardine <laughs> uh david marks and bruce johnson music? and bruce johnson yeah um, or is there talk of having Ricky Petter or Blondie Chaplin as official members again, or is that, like, not in the cards? Anymore? I, I don't know. I would love to see Blondie and or Ricky um, be involved with this because, you know, they will be a part of the next collection that we see of Beach Boys releases because we'll be dealing with Holland and then Beach Boys Live in concert. Um, I don't know. Um, obviously Blondie has been on the road with Brian and he's a really welcome addition to that band. If you see Brian's band, you know, Blondie is the wild card every night. Right. You know, it's, he's, <laughs> you know, you're never quite sure where he's going to end up, but you know, it's going to be interesting. So he would bring an extra, he and Ricky and having seen Ricky play with some other groups in recent years, he bring, they bring a dynamic element, but I don't know if the other parties are open to letting them be a part of it. I mean, I think they always go, it's, it always goes back to Hawthorne and or those original 60s days, you know, True. so that's why they brought David Marks in, which I was really happy about, you know, David really in all intents and purposes should have been a, a full-time member of the band through the 60s. And, and, you know, that was not his, his leaving was not his doing. That was Murray's doing. And uh, I also, you know, they also count Bruce in his essential member. And he is, he's on those records, you know, those yeah. records that we all, you know, hold up to the sky. So um, I think you always go back to the 60s. It will always go back to that Hawthorne element of these guys in a room figuring out how to be a rock and roll band. Yeah. I guess the reason I'm asking is because on these reunion things, each time it gets a little more iffy as to who's going to show up, if you know what I mean. And this may be the last go round. You know, there might be a 65th, but maybe not. This might be it for these guys. So, you know. And be, and be honest, when I photographed the 50th anniversary tour uh, in 2012, I never thought that was going to happen. Yeah. And uh, it, it's amazing that we're talking about this 10 years later and they're all, you know, out on the road and, and have the possibility of doing this. I mean, mm-hmm. as we see uh, continuously in life and especially over the last year and a half, nothing is assured. You know, right. all, is, all is change, all is flux. Um, but I think if those those guys are available and it can be worked out behind the scenes, I think, you know, I think there's space for them. Yeah. I would love guest to, appearances, if not. Yeah, exactly. I would again. love to see Ricky and Blondie, yeah. especially yeah. if they're going to be, over the next couple of years, if they're going to be looking at doing more uh, uh, Holland material, much like they're doing now. You know, right. if you go out and see the Beach Boys, they're doing field flows. They're dealing mm-hmm. stuff from the new box set. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, let's let's bring Blondie and, Rick, and or Ricky into the fold and let's hear these songs done by the guys who are on uh, actually on those records. Right. So, you know, um, it's, I mean, it's the beach boys. Anything is possible. Right. So, uh, so, yeah. so who's currently touring because I always get mixed up. Everybody has a little configuration. So Brian Wilson, does he tour alone with a group or is any other beach boys with him? 
while he is uh, touring with Al Jardine and Blondie okay. Chapman. Okay. So, so essentially it's are. a group that you would have seen the last several years. Okay. And it's, you know, a number of the musicians that you would have seen play in the Beach Boys in the larger 2012 configuration, you know, members of the Wondermints that have been with him since 1998 and some mm-hmm. other members. Um, I know his son-in-law has been playing uh, on, with Brian in place of Matt Jardine. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, Mike and Bruce, it's a, you know, if the Beach Boys is largely the lineup you've seen over the last few years with a few new additions, including uh, Christian, um, uh, Mike's son, who's been a, a welcome addition. Right. And uh, it's, it, you know, so it's really, it's, People have said, why can't the Mike camp and the Brian camp get along? And there's a number of reasons for that. I think ultimately they're each better served touring on their own and touring on their own um, schedules. And, uh, you know, when they have to combine forces, there's a certain amount that each camp has to give up. Right. And, you know, Brian is not going to tour the way Mike is going to, well, Mike wants to tour. And, um, Brian does like the freedom of having his own band to do these the songs that he wants to do. So in the long run, I think it's bet for the long it's been to the betterment of the fans that we've all gotten to see these different shows under different configurations. But would we right. love to see them all together again? Oh heck yes. Yeah. So uh yeah. The reason I asked is because like I know Al Jardine toured by himself for a while and you know, so I don't know the current configuration. I have I have a shirt here. This is ah. twenty twenty. Or 2019, yes. excuse me. It was the summer 2019. So that was the Mike version. And, yeah, I, uh, it was Mike and Bruce and his son, and uh, Mike's son and whoever else was in the band at that time. Uh, the last time I saw the Beach Boys, which was probably the first time, uh, was about, uh, actually, I wrote it down here so I could remember, 1988. And uh. it was the five-piece lineup uh, that basically did uh kokomo but with that, with brian and brian was actually on stage that day i don't know if i told that story before but uh brian of course at that time was under landy's supervision as it were and uh so they would bring him on tour they wanted him on tour but sometimes he was disruptive and i, I went to this long gone theater in san carlos california called circle star theater which was quite famous in its day it was like a rotating, the, the stage was rotating. So in the, it was wow. a circular thing. So if you had a bad seat, like if you're seeing the back side of the band, well, eventually it'd come around, you'd see the front side of the band and vice versa. Um, <laughs> anyway, so the night I saw them, they played two nights in San Carlos that year. Brian was on stage and Brian sang and he was uh, doing fine and everything. And it looked just like they're happy, fun guys all together with Carl. There was no Dennis, his best Dennis, uh, but everybody else. And uh, no David Marks, he hadn't rejoined, you know, a whole lot of those listening. Uh, <laughs> but um, supposedly the next night, Brian was having one of his episodes, for lack of a better term again. And uh, so they let him sit at the keyboards, but they unplugged them. And uh, they unplugged his mic. And so he was on stage, but nobody could hear him. So I was fortunate that I saw him perform at least back then because it was always kind of a interesting <laughs> proposition back then and, and that's a, been a, understandably a hard thing for a lot of fans to accept i mean for those of us who saw brian in 2018 when he was starting to have um you know more episodes of fright or just he would be you know those of us i saw the show in augusta and it was heartbreaking because mm-hmm. 
he's sitting there with this fear in his eyes. Hmm. You just don't want to see in anybody you care about. Um, and it was just all the voices were talking to him. So, you know, this has been an ongoing evolving thing for him mm. for many years. And I think Brian is actually happier letting other people be the front person. I mm. think, you know, he, uh, it's been nice to see Al who, and I should mention, if you talk to certain people in both camps, they both say that Al Jardine has the best voice of anybody who's still out touring amongst them. I mean, Al's voice is held up amazingly well. I'd love to see Al take more of a place where people come to see Brian Wilson. And right. sometimes having to be that guy, especially that guy the, who he was in 1966, is very demanding on Brian. So um, especially for somebody who is different, can be different places on different nights. Yeah. Hmm. So he still experiences that. See, I wasn't sure because, like I said, I have not seen Brian since then. And I didn't know. I, I can't say because my mom's had uh, mental issues uh, that my mom ever was one way the whole time of her life. There, there was different times where, she, you know, like everything else. So I wouldn't expect Brian to suddenly be uncured, you know, or anything like that. So uh, has he ever in all these years just basically canceled due to stage fright and things like that? Or is he still a trooper and tries to go on? What he tries he to go on. Okay. He try, and sometimes during, especially during that 2018 show, he would start a song and look over at his uh, Rob, his son-in-law, or Al. It was like this look of I can't sing this, mm. and he would just. I mean, he just got through the show, but you knew what was going on. Mm. You know, you could you could see it in his eyes, and that was mm. that was diff- it was hard to accept. Uh, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that this current tour back with this band, his band. Um, allows him some peace and find the enjoyment in, in shows again. I, mean, I saw him in 2015 um, with Rodriguez opening at the Fox in Atlanta, and it was some ways it was the best Brian show I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And he's you know, doing things from his whole career, and he sounded great. And then after that, that following year, when he was doing the Pet Sounds tour, you started seeing good nights and bad nights again. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, nothing is with, in the Beach Boys uh, world is, uh, ironically, it's all sand, you know. Yeah. Nothing is concrete. It's all sand. Interesting. Okay. So um, I've been reading up things recently, and, you know, I've read Brian's original book, which I've told that he has kind of discounted. Yes. And I, like I have it. not read his more recent one, but I did read Mike's book and um i know you're like kind of affiliated so i don't want you to like get yourself in trouble as it were i don't know if you can but um how do they kind of get along not as professionals but just on a personal level how does like mike and brian and everybody get along do they just kind of merely tolerate each other or are they like on good terms Uh, for the most if you put them in a room and talk they're fine Um, it's, it's when business and other people start saying, well, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that, or they start hearing that so-and-so is doing this and that, that issues, much like what you saw at the end of the 2012 tour, you know, that had much as much to do with the people around them. And, and, uh, you know, Mike and Bruce knew that Brian was not going to tour, go out and play these smaller uh, cities, um, but you know they had moved on, but they hadn't told Brian and and or Brian's camp that they were going ahead and doing these shows without him as the Beach Boys. Hmm. So, um, but it's interesting. I mean, once you just put them together, they're family. They really are okay. family. So it's just um, the biggest thing for them is just it's like I always just say like just let them be themselves. 
with, you know, and, and try not to be, you know, I, I, it's, I mean, I understand. I mean, you know, um, there's, there's a lot of things at stake for, for them and the people they work with and the bands and, and the, the crews, but ultimately you've just got to let them be themselves. So, uh, they, they all ask you about, uh, about each other. If you go see Mike and Bruce, they'll ask, how's Brian doing? Um, how's Al doing? They all, and, and Brian's camp is the same thing. So they all ask about each other. So that's it's very cool. Okay. That's been, that's been really, it's been fun sometimes to surreptitiously kind of pass things along to each other. Can't right. <laughs> they were asking about you. They're doing okay. Right. And you know, so-and-so's moved from this place to that place. So yeah. Right. I mean, the, the reason why I ask is because when you read things or see things in the news or whatever, you almost get the impression sometimes is Mike is Mike Love is this total villain and he hates everybody and everything. And him and Brian are at each other's throats all the time. And, you know, Mike's hogging all the cred and Brian's like, I don't want to give you the cred because I wrote, you know, and things like that. And I think probably 10% or less is probably true of all that. You know, most of it's probably just gossip column stuff. So, there is, and it, it, yeah. it's very easy for a lot of people, a lot of press, a lot of fans to kind of fall into the Brian Good, Mike Bad kind <laughs> of uh, storyline. And uh, but it's again, it's not totally true. It's uh, if you actually if you read Mike's autobiography and Brian's autobiography, they are remarkably similar, just from different points of view. Um, they it's almost like two. It is, they're like bookend autobiographies, which most fans would tell you that's not possible, but it is. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, I'm anxious. I'm also hopeful that 2022, whatever comes, gives them the chance to kind of find themselves again as friends and, uh, and family. So, yep. you know, we, we, we've all, we all need that. You know, we, we've all missed a lot of things over the last year and a half. So the, right. you know, and my God, if the beach boys can get it together, why can't the world get it together? Right. So, you know, <laughs> um, so did they actually cancel both, both, both camps cancel tours during the COVID? I sure. I'm yes. assuming they did. Yeah. Okay. Yes, they so did. when did Ryan they, actually, res- when did they resume? See, I did see an ad currently I'm in Oregon and I saw uh, the Mike beach boys on September 5th, which will probably be in the past by the time this airs, but you know, around this time when we're recording this. So yeah. uh, when did they start again? Mike and the Beach Boys uh, started a month ago. Uh, oh, okay. As we're discussing this, they opened a tour in Ohio and have been touring around the north, mostly the northeast and a few uh, uh, shows closer to where you're living. I'm hoping to see them at the end of September uh, in the North Carolina, South Carolina region. Brian had a European tour. He had a Japan tour booked last year all of which had to be uh canceled and um as we're talking um brian has done his first show back in california and is planning a tour through september and october and i'm hoping to see them in new york um some of you all will know that um al jarnid is spent some time in rochester new york as a kid and my grandmother's family is from Rochester. I'm, I'm an upstater by birth. Mm-hmm. And so I really will, you know, having seen the beach boys back in the day and, you know, 10 year old me in 1983 going, I want, I'd love someday to see Brian Wilson. Mm-hmm. I really want to see Brian in that area again. So I'm, I'm going to see Brian somewhere on this tour. Um, and I really look forward to it. Okay. And then um, you mentioned recordings and, and uh, you know, of course they did get together and did, that's what, why God created the radio 10 years ago. 
Um, do you think that there's a chance for a full, another full album or maybe just a song or two where you don't know? I don't know. Um, I really, I thought that was a good record, but I also could hear what else that could be with different songs and maybe different people. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the monkeys records that they did with, uh, um, um, the gentleman from fountains of Wayne who just passed away, which was a really heartbreaking, uh, Adam Schlesinger. Yes. That was like, wow, you could make, you could take a record, you know, take a band from the sixties and make it live again. Like as a companion to what you did back then. And I mean, I know I listened to those monkeys records and said, man, if they can do it, why can't the Beast Boys do it? Right. But it, that's a number of factors that need to be lined up. And, Although, the, and this is kind of more into their history, and we can kind of get into this, which Beach Boys do you want it to sound like? Because you got some camps that say, oh, do the surf songs. It's basically yeah. comprised on the 74 Endless Summer uh, discs. Or you do the later, you know, Smile Pet Sounds type stuff, or still later, like we mentioned, the 67 to 73 creative, you know, with uh, Blondie and uh, Ricky and stuff like that, or the even later stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what like era Kokomo, do you try to recreate? Like, you know, it's like... There, and, there are many different eras of the Beach Boys, and everybody, uh, every era has a, a specific fan base who come for the surfing songs, the car songs, or I know they want to hear Sunflower like myself, or they want to hear their, their favorite part or songs of the Beach Boys. So I, I think it's really depending on, depends on getting those guys in the room to say, what do you have? Let's go. There was a lot more material that was put together for the, the 2012 album that didn't get recorded. Hmm. So um, I don't know how much more was recorded. I think there's a lot out there that could be put together, but it's 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 like the moon and the stars. A lot has to line up. Right. So we'll what see. What was the story? Um, I, uh, wasn't Brian interested in doing a second album back then, and then it ended up being a solo, no peer pressure? Uh, how I, much of that material was left over, or how did that work out? Some of the songs on No Peer Pressure were started around, um, the, not maybe during the recording session, but on the tour. Uh, I know there's a number of pe uh, little pieces that Brian was playing during that tour with the idea of going, oh, well, we could do this, you know. And he was obviously enjoying having his band on stage with the Beach Boys band and, you know, jamming these sounds out. But then everything fell apart, and ulti they, ultimately they became Brian's song. So, um I think proximity is the biggest thing, you know, if they're all around each other, like, Oh yeah, let's all, you know, let's see. What do you have? What do you, I mean, um, you know, Mike has done two or three solo albums in the last two, Please. three years, which is basically, it's basically the beach boys minus Brian Wilson and, right. and Al Jardine. So that's, that's the divide line, but they're good records. Yeah. They, well, they even Al Jardine did his own solo album finally. And yeah. that, was, that one was a decent one. I thought. And that's a great record. And he's done some recordings with the rest of the band as well. So it's like, I think I would actually kind of in the spirit of Sunflower and Surf's Up, I would love to see what they could all offer to the table. You know, much of God um, was Brian's input with, I think there's at least one Mike song on it, but um, we know they're all capable of writing and, and contributing really good material. And maybe this is the time to do that. Right. Um, I think feel flows for me, this recent box it is, I mean, it's just a revelation all over again of how, creative and how diverse they were during that period and it was materials coming from all six guys in the band 
you right. know that the, you know i mean we all hold up pet sounds as like the album but maybe the most creative and remarkable diverse period was the sunflower era yeah. you know they that was really the band i mean you know if you have an idea of a rock band is everybody puts their part of the, you know their own two cents in then this, that's the period of the beach boys so so let's talk about that a bit, you know, and they've been doing this for years. I should show some earlier ones that they've done. It seems like there's like this uh, need to do everything that was 50 years ago. Like, and it's probably contractual or something like that. Like things are going into the public domain. Because I think since uh, 2003, was it? Uh, you know, they put out a live 63 album and then there's like a live 64, 64 tracks or whatever, you know, and it kept going. And then, Sometimes they put out things commercially, which I will show, like the Beach Boys Party, like this one, which is a two-disc set of the entire party sessions. And then this is what frustrated me, is like they put out this 1967 one, which had the post-smile stuff, mm -hmm. but it stopped, at least on disc like this. And then there's like all these digital collections that came out from 68 and 69. Um, and then I'll, I'll come back to that because I want to ask about that. And then they did like this uh, one where they just overlaid uh, the symphony orchestra. Uh, and, symphony orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, we're talking about the field flows. This is not the box set. This is a two-disc version, but, you yeah, know, that's where we're at. So I assume uh, by saying that, there's going to be a Carl and the Passions, So Tough, and um, a Holland kind of double-disc set coming out in the next couple of years. Is that what you're saying? Possibly. And okay. one, yes, going back to your earlier statement, yes, some of that was, uh, was two things. One is things were going to fall into out of copyright after 50 years. So they were very aware that the majority of, of the digital releases you've seen have been because of that. And also it is much easier to promote uh, something as like 50th anniversary. That is sort of right. a weird golden number. It's like it goes from 10 to 20 to 50. Right. <laughs> uh, in the music business for like, you know, oh, it's this is a big anniversary. You got to come check this out. Yeah. Um, one thing that has changed and one of the reasons why I think you're seeing a, such a focus on fuel flows is, you know, the, uh, Irving Azoff and his group um, purchased the intellectual properties of the Beach Boys. You know, they made a deal earlier this year. And what I'm hearing from Alan Boyd and some other who like, was the co-producer of the fuel flow set was that they're absolutely behind this. Oh, and okay. so, I mean, now the field flow set has been in the works for two years, you know, the, before Irving got involved with the Beach Boys. But um, this company seems to be uh, wanting to make the archives of the Beach Boys a focus. So I think that means you'll can see more of these releases, but they'd be more of a physical release opposed to the digital release okay. that you've seen in recent years. So, and I welcome it. I mean, yeah. obviously not the periods going forward aren't going to be the amazing purple patch that Sunflower and Surf's Up was. But as you know, there's always so much material with the Beach Boys that was left mm -hmm. back in the vaults. And, you know, the well seems to be even more endless than we realized. So I welcome it. Yeah. And so that brings me back to this one. I mean, so I guess, you know, is there a chance for the sequels to this that say 68 and 69 coming out in a physical format at all, or do we have to wait like to the 60th anniversary in 2029 and 2028 or what? You I know, it just make... really disappointed me. And I'll say why, because my favorite Beach Boys album is Friends. And I love to that have yeah. the physical version of the Friends one uh, instead of just this would have been like perfect, you know? 
But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I, I do wish that they could have done a larger version. I think they were also a, um, feel this set, this new set has been a, a kind of a, a, an awakening even to them because I think they were like, well, you know, how much interest is in this stuff? But look at the the press and the the you know billboards from New York to L.A. I mean, this has kind of blown even the band away. Uh, like how much attention these things are getting. So uh, I do fear you'll you'll see you know we'll have to wait a few years for a larger expanded version of Friends and or Wild Honey. I mean you know, yeah. but it it's I think this I think what you're seeing now may be more the norm for releases to come in the next several years. Well, this one I keep holding up. This did have wild honey on. Yeah. Uh, the one, the yeah. one that didn't. It, it, it is a digital only version. Is the Friends one and the mm -hmm. 2020 one, and it's like, mm, you know. And there's yeah. a lot of good songs during that era. See, my I don't. We can go over that too. Is my favorite era. I, it kind of is wider than maybe just the Feel Flows era. Is like 67 post Smile to 73. Like that window is like my sweet spot on the Beach Boys. It wasn't originally because, you know, when I originally learned about the Beach Boys, everyone else, you know, surfing USA, surfer girls, surfs up. Oh, yeah. Well, not surfs up, but you know what I mean. It's all the surfing songs, you know. And, you know, this book kind of tainted me, you know, you know, but it also made me more of a fan. You probably have seen this one. Uh, oh, Dominic yes. Priori's book about uh, Smile. Well, it made me realize that there is more stuff to the Beach Boys post pet sounds but it also annoyed me because it kind of acted like that stuff wasn't very important <laughs> i think it's always been an issue with the beach boys that they didn't have any hits from those records or there yeah. was you know it was like people got you know it's like you could push 50 years of pet sounds uh, even though that was considered not a, a su majorly successful album at the time compared to the previous releases oh but you know 50 years of good vibrations yeah and and yeah. but it's like I think there's been this reluctance in previous years. Oh yeah, fifty years of friends. Well, how's the fan base? <laughs> but you know, opposed to the, you and me, are like, oh yeah, heck yeah, you know, yeah, bring yeah. it. So I think you'll see um, more of an ex a willingness to push the uh, the periods that m mean more to you and me in releases down the road. Okay. So I I think it's coming, but yeah, we'll have to wait a few years. Okay. But you know we're kind of dealing with that on the beach with the Beatles as well. I mean, there's yeah. kind of a parallel. It's like you know um, that camp kind of figures it out for uh, Sergeant Pepper, and yeah. then they kind of work again. It's a 50 year anniversary too, and yeah, I, I, I'm I'm ready for them to do what they've been doing with Abbey Road um, for Rubber Soul and Revolver. But I know I'm gonna have to wait five six years for it. Yeah. But also, like uh, Giles Martin has said, I, I get Beatle fan, he says that the technology isn't quite there yet, which might be his clever way of saying, wait five or six years. To... <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think they, they had to get past the, the monolith, um, you know, or obelisk, depending on how you view let it be. This yeah. was a, a millstone, you know, a millstone in pop music history <laughs> that um, they had to get past and get released because that thing's been hanging out there literally from the day that it was released in 1970. Right. So, and of course, it was delayed for a year because of COVID again. And so exactly. here we are in 2021 celebrating the 51st anniversary. And we still haven't officially got all the celebratory stuff, but it's coming, you know, yeah. <laughs> films and DVDs we, and CDs and blah, 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 and whatever. Yeah, we're, um, they're finally getting this to, like, that final release point. I think you, you will see these things finally get released in the fall, including the, the Peter Jackson films. 
Um, but I mean, that's it's that release alone has held back all the other Beatles releases that you and I would love to see. Does that have anything to do with Beach Boys at all? I mean, I, I'll explain why. Back in the day, in the '60s, like uh, Paul has said this, and I think John even said this in interviews. Like they'd call each other. Uh, Paul would yeah. call Mick and say, "Do you have a record ready?" No. Well, then we'll put ours out. When's yours ready? Ours will be next month. Okay. You know, we'll hold ours back to the following. You know, they did arrange with the Rolling Stones so they wouldn't put a Beatles and a Rolling Stone record out the exact same day. So yeah. is that happening nowadays? Because they're still kind of connected to Capitol Records after all this time. And they don't really want to bombard people with a big chunky box set of the Beach Boys at the same time there's a big chunky box set with the Beatles. Brian and Paul, I think Brian and Paul still talk occasionally, but um, that's really more the camps, the respective camps. And it is capital, too. So, I mean, especially uh, that era of music, I mean, those camps kind of have to train spot each other. Say, oh, if they're doing that, well, we can do this. And I'm I'm quite sure that the Beatles folks are watching what's happening with Field Flows right now going, man, we'd love to have the kind of positive press that right. they're getting for this release. So, uh, yeah, and they, 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 there's more of a correlation even now than one might think. Right. I haven't checked the charts. I don't know if you're a chart person, but has this been doing really well? I mean, has it actually charted higher than the albums originally did? I would love to. <laughs> I'm going to check that next week. Okay, because that's uh, interesting. It's Sunflower. I think it says on here it went to, like, number 151 or something. Let me look at it. Yeah, 151 originally yeah. on Sunflower, unbelievably. Uh, surf. Surf's Up at least made to a, a respectable 29, considering they had a few years of bombs, as it were, chart-wise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's still just my, and, and some there's a number of reasons for that, um, including you know Sunflower was the I think believe it was the first release on Reprise. Yeah. And there's you know um, for whatever however they felt about Capital, Capital was still out there pushing their material, and you know they did kind of have to find their footing again through a new record label and the 1970 was a weird year so yes. i've heard <laughs> so um there's a lot going on so you know maybe it it took time and um people to catch up with the beach boys even even in 1970 and i used to be like i'd be a voracious billboard reader and stuff like that and i'd read about the histories and when i used to read stuff like sunflower only made it to 150 something it's like Oh, that album must suck. <laughs> and yeah. I, I didn't realize the chart really doesn't mean a whole lot. You know, no. people's tastes aren't necessarily in tune with whether music is really good, you know. Yeah. Because and, and, right. and tastes change and now I mean it's funny the Billboard charts really seems to be more singles um focused again, much like it was sixty years ago. Um, when the Beach Boys were coming up, it was like, oh, if you're really good or really successful, then you can make an album. But you've got to have a you know, song on the charts every week. And that's kind of where it's gone back to in our digital um, formats. formats. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting how these come back again. I'd be interested to see where the uh, box set charts and then if it stays there. You know, those of us who followed the Monkees release of Good Times, it was so thrilling to see it debut at number 15. Right. Didn't it stay, didn't stay at 15 long enough. Right. But still, like, that first week was, like, just so awesome to see. Like, yeah, I love that band. And they're in the top 15 on Billboard. 
you know it's like when when i was growing up it was like your favorite band was not usually a band that was getting on mtv unless it was like midnight you know or sunday night at 1 a.m um or maybe they got a little bit of radio airplay it was always like your your favorite band was just off the radio so when it finally like broke through it was like oh my god so-and-so actually got on the charts so i think it's it's kind of like that again yeah What's weird, and you grew up with this as well, you know, it's like a lot of these groups, they just kept plugging away, and we're talking about Beach Boys, Rolling Stones, Kinks, who, you know, and they just kept plodding along through the 70s and 80s, and, you know, a lot of them did have that big dip in sales and uh, respectability, and then they kind of all came back eventually, it seems like, you know, um, now it's kind of weird, you know, like Paul McCartney's last album was top the charts, you know. And uh, the Rolling Stones, I think, they're blue and lonesome, at least made top ten, you know, and things like that, whereas some of their old, more recent albums may have not done as well. And, and even the Beach Boys, I think, you know, some of their more, like, uh, God, that's why God made the radio, I think, we hit three or something, which was the yeah. highest in decades, you know, and stuff that was, like that. That was so, amazing. Yeah. I think one of the things, the correlations you can make between all the bands you mentioned in the 70s went out and toured their butts off. And they toured their butts off in the United States mm-hmm. and built themselves back up into kind of these, you know, touring um, uh, machines. And it is interesting that uh, a lot of these bands, the reason why we're still talking about all these bands is because people saw them live through the decades. So uh, it will be interesting to see one if those the bands we're discussing, any of them can go out and tour the next year, continue this n- uh, newfound momentum, or maybe we all stay home and, and, and discover more records. So, right. uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see what the next year brings, not just for the Beach Boys, but for a lot of touring acts that we're discussing. And you mentioned earlier that uh, they're playing more uh, Surf's Up and Sunflower material on, on tour. Is that both camps, too? Or my understanding is that you will see a little more of the Sunflower Surf Up era with both. I mean, Mike is out there playing field flows. He's playing a number of things from that box set right now. And, um, I, I need to go and check the most recent set list, but I know the, the early shows in Ohio, you know, covered a good amount of material. And I think you'll see a little more of that from Brian too. Again, they're aware of what the other camp's doing, you know? Um, so, yeah. and, and Brian has always kind of like played, welcome you know he's done friends on tour he's done a little more from that record um he and al would do like two three song suites from friends i've seen that in recent years so i think they'll be a little more open to playing things from that era but you know i'm anxious to see what one camp plays and what the other camp plays is there anything that they're ashamed of playing i guess for lack of a better term or ah i that's a good question um (laughs) yeah it's in. It's thrilling to see him take on feel flows because I think yeah. for a while it was like, well, that song's really out there. Uh, you know, our fans really going to be into that. Well, now they're playing it. Right. So I don't know if Michael will be playing student demonstration time. <laughs> but uh, the one but, that comes you know, to mind, and this would be for Brian, you know, is like "Till I Die," which you know now has a more poignancy since he's much older and stuff like this. And, you know, and he but, has pl- he has played that in recent years. Okay. All right. Uh, he right. has played that. Um, I've seen him play that and surfs up and uh, he played okay. it in um, Atlanta in 2015. And I was gobsmacked. Okay. It was so good. Yeah. Cause I'm wondering about that. See, you know, for years, Brian would like, seems like he stayed away from anything to do with smile and later, you know, maybe played good vibrations, maybe. 
you know, and then after he had that concert where, you know, he played the entire album and things like that, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I can play all this stuff again. But is there any song later on that he's still uncomfortable with to your knowledge? Or, I mean, I'm sure he's not playing Kokomo, but <laughs> since he didn't not, play yeah. yeah. And he, he'll tell you how much he thinks that was a great song, but he knows it's more associated with Mike. Right, right. And, it was, and that was during the period when he was not involved with the Beach Boys. Right. So there's that, too. Um I think it's more of a general overall feeling for him is like certain eras bring back certain feelings, but um, he has surprised me in, you know, you know, different years and saying, Oh, we're going to do this. I mean, part of the joy of having Blondie with him is Blondie will uh, every night does wild honey. Even though he wasn't in the band at the time, he nails that song and then does sail on sailor. So, and there's one other song that I can't remember that, Blondie does that he does from that period and just you know it's so cool to see Brian and Al and Blondie rocking out songs from that period mm-hmm. that's very cool because you know there's some artists that they just are like play anything from then or just by sheer whatever they never play him I mean I was on one of the classic shows and we were talking we were talking about Ram that's a an example where I don't remember if you were on it but you know McCartney, to my knowledge, has never played Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey live ever. You know, and you yeah. think somewhere along the line, especially now, 50th anniversary of it, you might play it once. You know, <laughs> you and know anything and, from that or an, another day. Yeah, um, and it wasn't like it was a flop. You know, if it was like a, a, an obscure track, like I could see him never playing Monkberry Moon Delight again. No. That's fine, but you know, it's like this is a number one hit or number two or something. You know, it's like you know and. I don't know. And another one is with a little luck. And so I'm just curious that the Beach Boys are a similar way. But I know on the 50th anniversary tour album, which I didn't bring in here, but uh, they seem to make sure to cover every album, you know, with yes. at least one track. So I thought that was pretty cool. One of the things I really enjoyed about that tour uh, was that, yeah, it was like, you know, um, seeing Brian, sorry, Brian, um, uh, Mike and, and Al collaborate on All This Is That. You know, these little gems that you just thought, oh, they'll never play that live. And there it was. <laughs> um, and it was also, for, for me, the part of the enjoyment was them um, acknowledging and being willing to say, yeah, we've done all this. You know, and, for and, Johnny Carson. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. You never know. You know, you catch Brian on the right day and, and right. there it is. But um I think this, whatever they do next year will be interesting to see where their heads are and also where they think fans' heads are. Because yeah. some of the set list um, that we've seen has been, well, you know, I think McCartney does the same thing. It's like, well, do people really want to hear that? I mean, like, you know, yeah. how many fans fought for years to hear him do anything from uh, McCartney 2? And right. it made such a big deal of it when he started playing temporary secretary. Right. Which, right. I, which is what it, if somebody's never heard that period of McCartney? Temporary Secretary is an awesome song. Yeah. Just play uh, p- play people at full volume and, and watch their watch their brains <laughs> kind of wander off. And you know, using McCartney as an example, I don't expect them to use to play every track off of McCartney too. You know, uh, you know, I, if I heard Frozen Jap, I'd probably pass out or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. but you know. Um, my point is uh, that there are some kind of obscurities that still were kind of hits 
uh, you know, I mean, coming to mind is like, come go with me. If they, you know, yeah. granted they didn't write it, but you know, uh, or even, you know, ones that should have been hits. Like I think going on is a great song. They have performed it live, but do they do it more in recent times because it's kind of obscure and yeah. things like that, you know? I think they're, they're afraid that like that that's too much. I mean, and Paul has really become more post 1989 has become more focused on being a jukebox. Right. And when you, you know, and the, and the beach boys have done that to a certain degree, yeah. the last 40, you know, post yeah. endless summer. Um, when you have that mindset, it does push some of the less, the lesser known songs to the side. Yeah. It doesn't, but at that same time, there's a fan base out there for those songs. And, right. you know, I always like what the Rolling Stones did. In fact, use the word jukebox. I don't know if you went on any of the more recent tours, but they had like a thing on their website. It's like, uh, tell us what you want to play. And they had a list of about 50 songs that were more obscure. And each night they'd play about four or five of them, you know, and things like that. Just, okay, we'll play those, you know. And, <laughs> and they of course been... they played Satisfaction, Honky Tonk, and all the regular yeah. ones they normally play, but yeah. You know. <laughs> but yeah, and they were increasing that even on the 2019 tour. They were doing multiple songs a night. Like, okay, here's under my thumb. Here's you know, right. you know, all the stuff that like the casual fans go. Well, I haven't heard that, but you and me, right. the hardcore fans, like, oh my god, I can't believe yeah. I was there when they played. You know, you know, yeah. something from Satanic Majesties. You know, they were playing 2,000 Light Years from Home. Right. And, I saw oh that. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I love that. I was like, I thought they hated this album when I saw that one. So you know, so. Um, that's, that, that's an acknowledgement of the artist saying, I may not play this every day, but I know you want to hear this. Some of you want to hear this, so yeah. here it is. And, that, and that's easier said than done for a lot of musicians. Yeah. Um, as far as the Beach Boys go, you know, I don't know if you have any guilty pleasures, but, you know, uh, I said Johnny Carson as a joke. But actually, on that same album, it would be fun to hear Brian or the Beach Boys do Solar System. I don't know. I love that track. It's just like a really goofy kind of you know, track, but have he, has he ever played that live? Do you know I don't it? believe he has. I would yeah. love to hear him doing Busy Doing Nothing, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, <laughs> just those story songs that he was yeah. writing in that period. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, that, and that is just Brian at the piano, just like, this is where his head is, so it's coming out. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I, things like that. I mean, I would obviously love to hear more Friends. Um I still think also know there's a lot of Brian material that he's never released from different periods. Some of it right. is Landy related. So um, I, I'm I, down the road. I would love to see, you know, and I, again, it's getting him to be willing, you know, Brian usually sticks to a, a set set list because it is easier for him to, you know, say, this is what I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to be doing night after night and night out. So it's not too many surprises for him. Right. Well, I would love to see him and the band be willing to, play a bit but i think that also would come with him being willing to delegate more the frontman duties to al or blondie or someone else mm -hmm. which i think is will come eventually but it's it is the problem when it says brian wilson over the marquee right people want to see brian wilson sing all these songs mm -hmm. even though you know brian's you know brian is 55 years older you know mm -hmm. that's that's you know that's that's a lot to take in so um We'll see. The next few years could be interesting. Now, there's some of these songs that, you know, and they have been released a few times, and then they're bonus tracks again on this. It's like, yeah. and I think they're great. You know, like Loop de Loop, I'm reading. <laughs> I think that's a great song, you know, and yeah. it's like, why was that kept in the shelf? You know, what, what was their thinking? I mean, were they, 
were there, this is the part of the history I don't really know that well. It's like, and I don't even think it tells it very much in history books. It's like, was a lot of stuff shelved because capital just said, you're not charting anymore. We're just throwing this on the shelf and you know, you're done. And we're just putting out 2020 because it's just like recent singles and garbage and getting you, getting you out of here. Basically. Was that kind of what was going on around that time? There was that, and there was a lot of pressure within the band. I mean, mm-hmm. they were very aware that they needed to get back on the charts. They were, you know, going through this creative period and trying different things, but they also wanted to get back on the charts. Mm-hmm. And, I think certain band members, you know, especially the one, you know, there were certain members that were emerging. They had to, you know, the rest of the band had to be comfortable saying, yes, we want, you know, Dennis, we want you to do more songs, you know, and, you know, Carl was emerging as, as not just as a singer, but a, a writer and producer this period. Um, I, I know Al um, definitely fought hard to get, uh, more of his songs recorded and sometimes he was not happy with the final results if you notice like loop de loop is a good example I and mean, he right. went he insisted on remixing um that song for this uh new collection there were certain songs that were, he did it was like he for whatever reason he was not happy with how they came out his memory was that he was not happy with how they turned out in 69 or 70 and just so they could finally get these out um, now in 2021, he, even he to say, no, I'm going to go back and remix this. Right. So, uh, yeah. And, and they are, they're all putting in, they're all giving their input on this. There, there's no, nothing oh. that like, they could still veto things on this. Like if they say, I really still don't want that out, you know, they can yeah. say that. Right. Okay. Yes. And, and Alan Boyd has discussed this and said, yeah, there's, there were some things they really wanted for the box set. They really had to work hard to get that band member to say yes. So it's it's still ongoing. There's still, right. you know, um, complicated emotions uh, right. <laughs> going on even all these years later. Whereas my feeling is, you know what, it's it. I would rather, no matter how good or bad they feel about these songs, I am thankful that they all exist. And ultimately, right. let's let's hear them. Let's hear yeah. let's hear what's there because it all speaks to the band and. Uh, them as writers and individuals it's like yeah. again these are six a six-man band all contributing equally and maybe some things didn't hit the mark but maybe they weren't supposed to but the, you know it, it, it pushed the band forward into uh how they you know how they evolved through the 70s it's amazing to me that they had so many songs left in the kingdom you know it's like you know i mean if you just look at this if you just said, oh, let's just put out an album of this. They could have put out an album with Loop the Loop, Soulful Old Man, yeah. Sunshine, uh, you know, what are the couple of other ones, uh, you know, that weren't on the album. You know, there's probably a, an album's worth of material of just neat tracks, not alternate takes or anything, you know, that could have been put out between Sunflower and Surf's Up. Yeah. Uh, how, how were they so prolific? Was it because in the early 60s, they had to turn out three or four a year and they just got used to that or um, there's a little bit case? of that. And no. when you're fighting, it's, uh, it's, it's like the John and Paul element and George element. Um, if you've got five guys around you who are all pushing material, they, it was all, they were all kind of pushing each other um, to, you know, like, okay, you, if you're going to be doing this, I'm going to be doing this. It's like, so I, I some of it was the 60s aesthetic, definitely. When when you're very used to you know, making two albums a year and four singles a year, you're used to creating on a very regular basis. 
but I think it was also them pushing each other. Um, but yeah, it's amazing how many, you know, this, that collection, how many songs, you know, tell me what it's like to live, how's it like to live again? Um, all these other songs that we've never heard before, but you know, Seasons in the Sun, um, you know, I know some of you out there may cringe a bit when you hear that title, but um, <laughs> that was originally recorded by the Beach Boys in 1970. Yeah. And, you know, 80% of the bands in that period would have loved to put that on an album, but it sat in the vault for 50 years with the Beach Boys. So, and, but even the, you know, remember that Cotton Fields was recorded by Al and the band in 1970 and then sat in the vault and then six years later, like, oh, we need something for another release. Well, we've got this. We'll throw this out. And Cotton Fields becomes a top 20 hit. Right. <laughs> you know, there's, there's very few bands that have these things lying around on the floor. Like, oh, we'll put that out. And, and gets the response that um, the Beach Boys got even in the 1970s. Um, I don't know if you know any of this stuff. This is like a little obscure stuff, but I figure you ask. You're a pretty hardcore fan. So, um and I'm trying to talk about, like, early 70s decisions to mid-70s decisions for the Beach Boys. Um, whose idea was it to pair uh, So Tough uh, with Pet Sounds as a new album? Was that really a sound business idea? <laughs> That's And the radio ads for those are fascinating. It's like, oh, I recognize that. And, wait, we've got a new record, too. And yeah. I think that was... Um, that was a label decision. And I think that was, I mean, especially that's a, you know, some tough is a really good records, but it, yeah. it, need, it needed to be pushed on its own. Right. And the fact that the record label was like, no, we'll just, we'll just push it out with, with pet sounds. Yeah. We heard right. the kids like pet sounds now. And it really, for me, didn't do that record any good, but right. I think that was a label like that was like a label grasping at straws and not knowing right. how to push the new Beach Boys. That's the thing right. we've we could definitely look again at the, the the Beach Boys in the '70s was that labels didn't largely know how to push that the Beach Boys as adults, yeah. as as you know as as men as individuals. Yeah. It was just Beach like those dudes. It was always easier to picture them on the as those dudes on the beach who all oh, by the way made pet sounds and good vibrations so right right yeah yeah because i i had all the albums on vinyl back in the day and unfortunately i sold them but i i remember i didn't like so tough and then when i got it on cd years later because it wasn't paired with pet sounds i said what's wrong with me there's good stuff on this there's marcella and other stuff yeah. it's just that i just felt it it automatically made me think it was inferior because it was paired with that sound. And that was the impression that a lot of people got. Um, I think some of it also grew from the label hearing, the label was hearing that people wanted to get pet sounds. The word about pet sounds had been growing over time. It's like, well, we'll give people pet sounds and the new album. Yeah. But it really didn't do the new record. Seems like they should have just put out the old album. Like they put Wild Honey and all those out with new covers as double yeah. sets, they could have put Pet Sounds with maybe a new cover at that time as a separate item, yeah. not here. But well, anyway. You know, uh, or a new version of Stack of Tracks or yeah. something that yeah. would have, you know, le- le- <laughs> been more of a, a good counterpart to, I mean, I mean, there's hardly any record that's going to stand up to Pet Sounds. I mean, right. you know. And then I've heard this before. Um, so after Holland, um, you know, Capital put out their big two-disc Endless Summer set, which remarkably jumped to number one it's not that well it's not that remarkable because the songs are excellent it's just that they had been away from number one for so long to just suddenly do that now 
that kind of changed their tra- trajectory <laughs> somewhat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then they did like more like commercial pop stuff, like 15 big ones and love you and blah, blah, uh, over the next few years. But, um, I always wondered, was that the sole reason why they changed direction there? Or was there something to do with like their father, Murray Wilson dying around that same time too? I've never really gotten a concrete answer. I think it was a mixture of things. I, I think the Beach Boys got frustrated by playing smaller halls. Mm-hmm. And I know that they approached Jim Gersio, uh, who was Chicago's manager. And Jim came and saw them and said, if you guys want to be playing bigger places, you got to play the hits. You've got to play, you know, the old songs. I mean, and, and Jim was one of the first people who said, think about your set as a jukebox. And then in that same period, you know, the, the 50s are becoming hip again. And, and Capital says, oh, what the heck? We'll put out the Beach Boys 60s, the early 60s material again, and it goes insane. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like, it was a, uh, I think it was a double-edged, you know, it was a couple of things happening at once, but Endless Summer, you know, becoming this monster record and them saying, you know what, how do we get back to um, being the Beach Boys again, you know, with the big stadiums and this and that? Because I, I know that, you know, they were, and you hear, you know, look at the listen to the live recordings on this new set. Um, you know, fans are responding to their songs, but they're playing. They were playing smaller and smaller places. And right. for a band like the Beach Boys, who got used to being the biggest band in America, that that takes a soul. That takes a toll on your ego. Right. So I, I think it was a mixture of things coming together, turning them into the Beach Boys that we know from 1974 on. Although I'll admit, I think live in London. Uh, is probably one of their best live albums, you know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> if only for some of, just because of how relaxed they were. Yeah. Uh, I felt, you know, like if you listen to the uh, the live concert from '64, they seem like <laughs> we got to impress, we got to do this right because we're being recorded. Whereas by '69 or '70, was actually wasn't that recorded at the tail end of '68? It's all totally mistitled, and you know, it's a '69. Yeah, it it it's not in London, or so I forgot all the details of how wrong the title is. But um, you know, I, you know, I just love Mike Love. You know, if everybody hates Mike Love, it's like listen to that album. You find that he actually is a very charming, witty, funny guy. And yeah. Some girl in the audience screams and he goes, "Just sit on something." <laughs> you know it's just hysterically funny because he's totally confident to just talk with the audience and and be relaxed yeah i mean uh, mike is an ideal frontman you know which is part of why it's easy for a lot of people to throw tomatoes at him because he's the one out front every night (laughs) right but you know um the beach boys is a touring unit largely you know would be very different and may not be out there today without him and you know uh they they found a um a comfort uh, as they got older saying this is who we are you know yeah. like we, you know yeah we'll play some of the older songs but we're going to do what we want to do and so i think that makes for a lot of his fans that period up to 1974 more of a a golden period yeah. is this like yeah the beach boys grew up and still did amazing stuff yeah like and there's 73 live albums are excellent too you know yeah. that's a double fantastic album. live album and, yeah. and you get to hear them with blondie and ricky go you know that's a kicking band. I, you know, I, I would love to have seen that band back in the day. I mean, much as I've loved every uh, variation of the Beach Boys I've seen after 1983, um, you know, I'd love to have seen that band back then. 
So how many times have you seen them then? I mean, I guess <laughs> as a countless, uh, I guess. <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's approaching 20 something at this point. Mm. So, and there's also, there's the, you know, I've seen Brian's tour. I first saw Brian do Pet Sounds in 2000, which is, was great. Um, you know, all through different shows. And then I, I, I it, it, it does, it blurs after a while, you know, mm. it's like, and I, there was a couple times where the Beach Boys were playing in Charlotte and I couldn't go to the show, but they were doing signing autographs at a car dealership. So I, you know, I, I talked to Mike and Bruce at a car dealership in Charlotte, North Carolina. So, uh, you know, it, it, again, it's like, how many times have I seen them or talked to them? It's like, you know. But it's, 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 it, it always say like, you always look forward to the next one. Right. You know, and it's, I'm looking forward to the next one. So are they, uh, I guess, they know who you are by this point and they're comfortable with you around and stuff like that. Do they ever say, uh, no photos, please. Or that they're, I, if, they're happy to it, see you and stuff. I, they know who I am. I mean, um, one thing I always say about in the summer recording, it's David's gig and you have to respect that it's David's gig. So uh, Dave is the one who talks to the band. Um, I usually will say something. Um, if, if something that David's not picking up or, um, you know, I try to be the quiet one there who's getting pictures and doing my job. Mm-hmm. So, but they, it's funny, um, you know, you and I have been doing some interviews with Plastic EP, and there's been a couple times where uh, Scott Totten, like, you know, t- t- chimed in and said hello. I was like, oh, hey, Scott, you know, like, I've, yeah. n- I've not had the chance to talk to Scott long form um very often but you know the fact that he knew who i was through those interviews was like oh wait that's that's daniel yeah that's like i'm hiding behind the camera with david so uh yeah so it's cool now um before we go i have a few things to mention just because you said you know so i don't want to uh I, you said tell, remind you to talk about uh, the beach boys playing in tennessee 2015 with mike love and peyton manning on surfing usa so Yes, <laughs> that was an amazing weekend. I went and saw Brian play in Fox Theater in Atlanta, a fantastic show, came back to Charlotte, promoted a show that um, uh, was fun but very fraught and immediately drove me out of promoting shows for a couple of years. And then the next day, uh, we had David and I went to Tennessee, I think Greenville, Tennessee, to well, all we knew was be at this college at seven o'clock, the beach boys were playing a benefit concert. What we didn't know was it was a benefit for the hospital uh, associated with the university of Tennessee. Hmm. So basically <laughs> anybody who has ever gone to U of T and anybody who's a famous sports celebrity was there. <laughs> so, but we, you know, we walked in through the back. We didn't, you know, we just like, Oh, that's just another gig. So I'm standing next to Mike love listening and we're, we're all chatting about something and Peyton Manning walks up and says, hello. Uh, okay. And immediately I'm the beach boys best friend because they all want pictures of them with Peyton Manning. Right. So, <laughs> and then Dan Marino starts walking up and like, you know, and, and full disclosure, I was, you know, one of my current past former lives was I was a sports writer. Mm-hmm. I was a sports writer for five years and now I do the photos for the sports writers hall of fame here in, uh, in North Carolina. So, uh, I'm going, oh, my God, this is a music and a, a sports geek's dream. So uh, Peyton is there with Mike, and Mike says, hey, you want to get up and sing with us? And Peyton's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So uh, he says, what song? I love Surfing USA. And Peyton says, what's the lyrics? So <laughs> Mike, I'm sitting there with Mike Love teaching Peyton Manning the lyrics to Surfing USA. 
<laughs> this is how crazy the night was. The band was supposed to start at 7.30, and they said, before the band comes on, we want to introduce all the sports folks, the VIPs that are here. They lined them up across the stage <laughs> and had them all say hello. The introductions took 45 minutes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the band didn't go on until 8.15. Meanwhile, I'm just shooting away, just, you know, in, in the hog heaven. And at the end of the night, you know, everybody came out to, to dance and surf in USA, and, like, this is paused, and then Peyton Manning walks on stage. People lost their minds. Um, <laughs> he sings flat. Um, <laughs> because of the, the, the commercials, just, I've had people said, what does he sing like? He sings like Peyton Manning. Uh, he sounds like a, an, a, an NFL quarterback trying to sing. You know, <laughs> draw your own conclusions. It's on YouTube, by the way. And immediately after the show, the band's like, oh, my God, can you send us pictures? We want this. We want that. And I drove home that night. I drove home to North Carolina three-plus hours away just going, what in the world did I just witness? But it was just, again, it's like you walk into these gigs every so often that you're just like, I'm so glad I'm here for this. You know, I, I think you and I have told this, I've told you the story before about in 2012 where the venue I was shooting them at wouldn't allow photos to be on three songs. They were like, I had to put your car, you know, your foot, my gear back in the car. Meanwhile, I've got seventh row center tickets mm -hmm. and everybody around me has got a video camera but you know photos ooh, you know yeah sign of the cross and all that <laughs> um and i'm going if i don't take pictures of this it's going to haunt me the rest of my life right so i ran to the front i said oh my god i got an emergency can i get on my car I said, yeah fine so i went back to my car i put my camera body in one sock I put my lenses in my other sock yeah. and I had another lens in my back pocket and I pulled my shirt tail out so they wouldn't see. And as I walked back, I made eye contact with the attendants so they would not look down and see that these things were bulging out of my socks and oh, my, yeah. <laughs> my pocket. And I proceeded to shoot the second half of the show, you know, with Brian playing bass and all these things and taking final bows. And it was, you know, life's too short. You never know when you're going to see these things and you walk in these, these moments and it's like, you got to live it. You got to experience it. And for me, I got to photograph it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this is all part of the journey. So on these tours and everything uh, in general, you uh, do both just candid and posed pictures or only candid? Um, we've done some short candid, not full band posed, obviously, okay. you know, there's, there's certain photographers they work with and that's, that's their gig. Mm -hmm. I was this close to getting to do pose shots with, um, Brian and Jeff Beck on that 2013 tour, but then things, again, there's a lot of, lot of hands backstage and, you know, so that didn't happen. And it's a shame, you know, because that would have been really, but even watching them interact backstage was fascinating. Okay. So it's never yeah. like an official photo shoot, like, you no. know, more... Like, this is an official endless summer photo shoot. Come win, boys, and you're going to stand here, and Mike's going to hold the pie, and, you know, whatever. You know? Uh, <laughs> so, okay. I, I would love to do that, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know if that will ever happen. But I, for me, you know, a lot of times when I'm going backstage with David, it's like you have five, ten minutes around them. So, or, you know, okay, we're going to interview Mike Love, we're going to interview Bruce. So I will put myself off on the side so that way Mike can focus on talking to David, but then I'm moving, I'm getting the shots I want. So it's like I've gotten some really good, a lot of the shots you've, I've gotten of Brian and the band and both camps, it's just them just talking to David or somebody else mm. and not worrying about me. 
sometimes the less a person thinks about the camera, the, the better they're going to look. Right. You know, that's right. Mm -hmm. um, let's do a little show and tell before we go. I'll do mine ah. first because yours is a little more impressive. So anyway, um, have you seen the 60th anniversary book? This is actually a British mm -hmm. release. So if you don't have it, you know, and it actually talks about every album all the way up to that's why God made the radio. <laughs> yeah. ah. And uh, it talks about, and it even talks about the solo records and everything else. <laughs> so it's a good book to find. Um, yeah, I got it at Barnes and Noble, and it it has a, a American price tag, which I removed because I wanted to read the words. But <laughs> it is a British release, so that's something that I like. The other thing is, I got this also at Barnes and Noble years ago, but it's an actually good book if you don't have it. Uh, oh yeah, book. It was in book. their discount bin, but again. You know, oh, wow. lots of colorful pictures and you know, stuff in the band. I don't think your pictures are in here, but maybe they're. <laughs> I no, should look. Probably not, but you know, <laughs> but I, I, that's the thing. I've gotten to work. You know, I've been lucky. You know, I worked with Johnny Cash. I worked, you right. know, with a lot of different groups through the years. And you do sometimes have to check these releases because you never know where your things are going to pop up. So I don't know. Have you seen that book before? The one I was telling you about is I've seen yeah. it, but I've never looked through all of it. Yeah, it actually is a pretty decent book. It's about 10 years old, I think now. Johnny Morgan did the book. Anyway, so, but you have a couple things that you showed me beforehand. And so I'd like to yeah. show those off. <laughs> I got, um, this is a tour program. I got signed by Brian and Al uh, some years ago on one of their shows. And then I, you know, David did an amazing job uh, designing the tour programs for 2015 and 2016. This is the 2015. Mm -hmm. um, and I got to do photos for the 2016. Uh, so all the photos you see of the band members mm -hmm. in the 2016 tour program are mine. Well, hold, so, that one up. You know, hold that one back up again. Who signed that one again? This is one that... is signed by uh, Mike and Brian. Mike, sorry, okay. Mike and Bruce. Okay. And it's on the, it's uh, one of the photos from uh, okay. Summer Days. And Summer I couldn't Night. tell who was signing at the bottom. That's why I said hold oh, that yeah. up again. Yeah. <laughs> Love, Mike. Love. <laughs> yeah, the only, yeah, the only autograph I have. Uh, I met Brian when his first uh, autobiography came out in person at a book signing. Unfortunately, my ex-wife has that book. And ah. she's now passed away, so I don't know where that book went, but he did uh -huh. sign that. Uh, fortunately, I got a signed version of No Peer Pressure, so I have Brian's autograph again. So Very cool. Uh, the rest of each voice, I don't think I've ever actually met face-to-face, -face, so <laughs> I don't have any of them. So. I've got a couple records over here signed by David Marks. I do have a copy of Sunflower, a CD copy up here signed by Mike and Bruce and Al. Okay. I still need to get Brian to sign it. And somewhere I've got a copy of Holland signed by Ricky Fatar. Oh, cool. Uh, he came through Charlotte some years ago. I, I think it was John Schofield. And I had him sign Holland and the Ruddles. <laughs> and I was Very just cool. like, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Were you like me? I mean, I, I, I knew Ricky and the Ruddles first, and then I go, hey, he was in the Beach Boys. <laughs> I, that happened to me, too. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, that guy was in the Beach Boys on yeah. drums? Yeah. He's the guitarist. I just uh, thought that was funny. <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> that's, that's massively impressive, you know. Yeah. Um, a legend that will last a lunchtime. So. Exactly. And then oh, you go, yeah, oh, they're in the flame, too? No, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mind-blowing. Um, oh, just, yeah. And that that took me a little bit to go, okay, well, the, oh, wait, he played drums in the Beach Boys. Holy crud. So, 
But yeah, I, I, I got that's the cup. You know, I've been lucky to. I don't seek out autographs, but I you know been lucky to get some of these online, or just someone like the Sonics or. Um, somebody gave me a signed copy of Odyssey and Oracle signed by the zombies, including Chris and Hugh. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm not going to say no to that. So uh, <laughs> those things I, 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 I treasure great. Yeah. Actually, I have a signed copy of that too, because a friend of mine saw them and he got an extra copy and said, here, birthday gift. Cool. I, you know, because I wanted to see, I wanted to see Brian when he toured with the zombies, but it was just timing I, I and saw, everything you know it was yeah, right I, about the same time i saw the beach boys here in 2019 and i just said uh, you know can't afford it don't want to drive to portland you know it's like it was two hour drive i'm like yeah. i i would had just enough work through that tour that i couldn't get to any of the cities to see brian because it was the zombies with all the surviving original members um and which to you know people yes if you go see the zombies with rod and chris I'm sorry rod and um colin it's great it's very cool, but seeing them with Chris and Hugh, that's like the secret sauce. That's like yeah. when they do Odyssey and Oracle, that's them. That's that's the band that made the zombies the zombies. And I really wanted to see them with Brian, but it just didn't work out. But I saw them twice in previous years do um so I saw I was lucky to see the original Odyssey and Oracle shows in London in two thousand and eight. And all these things that were supposed to happen didn't happen. And then in 2015, I went, I flew to Denver to see the first U.S. tour of Odyssey and Oracle. I ended up doing pose shots with the band backstage, getting a signed autograph. All the things that I wanted to have happen in London happened in Denver seven years later. Go hmm. figure. And I, <laughs> I, I, I think I've rarely been that happy in my life, like leaving that show, just going. It's like, you know, all these years later, getting to work with the Beach Boys. It happened. Who knew yeah. that you could dream this up and all the years later it would happen. So mm -hmm. keep, you know, keep trying kids, keep dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we're probably at the end of the show. Now we started off the show. You kind of said what the beach boys may or may not be doing. Uh, but what do you think uh, is coming next? You know, through the rest of 2021. The, um, the band is both camps are going to be touring. Uh, I do recommend going out and see them. I mean, check out what the Beach Boys are doing now. I mean, I, again, I, I'm, I'm really happy to see them embrace all the different eras of the band, which was, again, one of the joys of the 2012 tour. I'm anxious to see what Brian gets into on yep. this tour. And I think if he comes through this tour and, and, and is in a good place, I think that's going to set up whatever comes next with both camps. Uh, and again, some of it's going to depend on COVID and where we are. I think um, I would love to see them do smaller venues, but I think there's, you know, the, the cost and overhead of getting, having those bands play together is going to demand that they do it's more the big shows, stadiums, which, right? which may end up, you know, allowing the sh more shows to happen if they're in outdoor venues. That's just where we are right now. And I didn't ask um, earlier, but... Uh, Obviously, we're talking United States, but do you think there's a chance of Europe, Asia, any other parts of the world, or maybe I not? Know, I know Brian is still trying to – I know they've been trying for the last year, and I have to rebook those European and Japan shows. Right. So you still you, – at some point, um, it, it's going to depend on a lot of where things are next year in terms of the travel. You know, it's like I still have a lot of friends. You know, I'm friends with Jeremy Clyde. I was really lucky to do two albums with Chad and Jeremy. He can't get back to the U.S., um, because they're not allowing, you know, with rare exceptions, people, you know, back from to fly from the UK to the US. 
Right. And that's the struggle for a lot of musicians right now. It's like, yay, we can finally do shows again. We can't even leave our country. Right. We can't right. get back into our country. Yeah. So uh, um, that's going to be that's going to be evolving for all of us over the next year. And besides the Beach Boys, uh, what do you have lined up as far as photography or anything else? Ah, well, I'm I'm hoping to see the Beach Boys you mentioned. I'm looking forward to the last Mickey and Mike of the Monkeys tour. I'm going to try to catch at least one place, probably in Tennessee in early October. Um, I am uh, doing an exhibit of Avett Brothers pictures, uh, so, so, you know, jumping genres and eras a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the Avett Brothers are from this area of uh, Charlotte and Concord, North Carolina. I photographed their early albums, and um, so I'm, as such, I've gotten to work with them over the last 20-plus years. And they have given me permission to do an exhibit which they have not allowed before um, to do a retrospective of them through the years. So we'll be debuting in um, Shelby in North Carolina in February, and then we'll see where that show goes from there. So it's, it's exciting. I mean, it's, 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 this has been an interesting year. I think probably for all you, Mark, and for all of us, like so much of our life has been in stasis. Right. It's like, Oh, (laughs) you know, we've got so much in the works in, um, uh, and I, I just, I'm ready for it to be here. I'm ready for this. Right. I'm really looking forward to the Avit show. I'm really looking forward to trying to get out and see some of the acts like Brian and the monkeys that I, I've been wanting to see for the last two years. And there's some other things. Um, I'll mention too, that I've been working on a new album with the circle, um, actually in a, produ- a production um, capacity. And as we're talking, I'll be working with them again in two weeks to hopefully record some more songs and finish the album. So, and then, uh, thank you. And I'm really excited about that. And we're still working on some sort of uh, release with the left bank. Right. And that would be as a co-producer. And hopefully I'll have more information about that soon. So uh, there's a, there's a lot going on, but I, I'm, I'm ready for fall and um, better times to be here. Uh, I think we've all been ready for that, but right. I'm, 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 I'm hopeful the next several months will bring a lot more, good things right now things like the monkeys are you going in as a photographer or just as a fan or both um yes um (laughs) i i I, it's really been i've been i'm going to thank andrew sandoval who i've known for many years um he's given me a chance to photograph them almost every tour in the last several years I, i including the 2016 show at the pantages with Peter and Mickey and Mike. And that was, that is still one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. That was so amazing. I mean, there's, there's only, there's only a few bands that I would fly out for one day, photograph the the band and then fly back overnight because I had work in Charlotte. And that's what I did. I, you know, um, literally was back in Charlotte working 10 hours after a no of six hours after I got back off a plane from LA and then, but you know, it's the monkeys. It's this right. band that, um, like these other bands we're discussing, you know, means more to me than even I can verbalize or sometimes photograph. So you, you got to go off and do these things. So uh, I, there's a couple other bands that I'm, I'm hopeful will tour in the next couple months, and we'll see. Yeah. We'll well, see. The 60s was a great era, and fortunately a few of them are still around, still active. Yeah. So. 
and, and see him, really, go see him when you can. You're doing the wise thing. So, yeah. And it means, you know, one of the joys I've had in the last few months in, like, seeing a lot of bands hit the road again, it's like their first show in 18 months. And the joy amongst yeah. the musicians and the fans is really palpable. Right. I mean, it's it's a, like, oh, my God. It's like, you know, your kids again. And you finally got let out of the house. Exactly. All this time. And so there's a really nice, we're in a sort of an interesting golden period that, it means as much to the musicians on stage as it does to the fans in the stands. So if you have the chance to go out and see the bands or any band that you're really a fan of and you're comfortable doing it, go do it. I mean, yep. not only does it support, um, you know, these musicians, all, all, all of them, including myself, have been trying to figure out what to do to make a living over the last 18 months. Um, but it's just, we just, you know, we, you know, we, like Dennis Wilson said, we just want to live again. Yep. You know, and, and, you know, you go out and see a live show, you live again. So, right. yeah. okay. so uh, I don't have any more questions as usual at this time of the show. Uh, how, how can people get in contact you, with you if they want to just chat or uh, ask you about your photos or anything else? Yes. Uh, you can always find me through my main site and blog, which is danielcoston.com. Um, I also do have a photo site for my archives, which is danielcostonmusicphotos.com. Um, you can always email me um, through you know, various sites. I do recommend finding me on Instagram because it allows me to post not only new work, but archival work. Um, after 26 years, uh, the photos add up after a while. And uh, <laughs> And it, it actually allows, gives me the chance to digitize a lot of my work because most of my work was film-based. And to digitize it, get it out there to people so they can see it. So uh, Instagram, Daniel Costin Photos. And uh, I'm not on Twitter often enough, but please send me a message there anyway. And uh, Facebook is just me, Daniel Costin. Photos always of my late cat, Milo, because even now he's much cuter than I have ever been. So, uh, (laughs) um, um, you know, come come say hi to to Milo and uh, just Daniel Costin on Facebook. And really, I hope everybody that checks us out says hello and, and please send me requests. And hopefully I'll see you guys out in the next few months. Very cool. Well, I want to thank you, Daniel, for being my guest again. Uh, yeah. We'll probably talk again about Beach Boys or something else in the future. In the meantime, before before the next time I see you, you know, if you, if, I know you probably have this, but anybody who's out there who is curious, this is an excellent era. This is an excellent set. There's This is the two-disc set, but there's also a big box set with, like, five discs. So get that. <laughs> anyway, all right. That. I mean, I, I listening to this again yesterday, listening to the, the full collections, like this is such a revelation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is almost like the, the beach boys from that era dropped a new album on us. It's just like, yeah. it, it feels like that to hear yeah. these, this collection again. And man, it, you know, that, that, that's a joy that I will take any day of the week. That's yeah. that, that, that it's out there. All right. Well, thank you again, and uh, thank you for another good Fun Ideas podcast. Thank you, Mark. Talk soon. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Daniel Costin, for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 130 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. 
Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Danny Salazi of The Characters and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2021 Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night. Just